And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's Word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888 That's P.O. Box 18888 San Antonio, Texas 78218 Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible The entire Bible every year On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Some people ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. Telling me the truth that we are here, everyone. Thanks for joining us. This is the Soapster, and Jacob is here telling us how he got his ears cleaned out this week. <laughs> and so now he hears oh, us better. Sure that was last week. You, oh, that, okay. So you, you hear us better John, now, huh? John. Well, he is with us. We're John. getting set up. Thank you for joining us for The Bible Live. We are going to continue our way, right, as we do each and every weekend here through the Bible. We've read the book of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, and we are approaching the end of uh, the book of Deuteronomy. This week uh, we read chapters 6 through 28 of this book of Deuteronomy, and next week we'll finish up the book of Deuteronomy and then go right back to the to the New Testament. We'll pick up, we've read Matthew, and now we will go to the book of Mark starting uh, this coming week. So we'll go back to the New Testament for a little bit of a visit, and uh, we're glad to have you along on this journey with us through the Bible. And if you'd like to give us a call tonight, uh, John is holding up the phone number, 210-340-9585, 210-340-9585. And perhaps you'd like to call in and tell Jacob how much you missed him last week. Uh, I told him, uh, all calls we got last week, everybody's asking, where's Jacob? Where's Jacob? <laughs> it's like, boy, he, he was sorely missed. He surely was. I'm glad yeah, to have you and back, I think pal. the operative word is sorely. <clears throat> yeah, he was not feeling that well, but we're glad to have you back, kiddo. Really, really are. Particularly, I missed you because we're talking about the book of Deuteronomy, and as I understand it, I'm not absolutely sure of this, but my my general um, my general understanding has been that the book the book of Deuteronomy is uh, of the five books of the Torah: Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is kind of, would you call it, 
I, I don't know if you would say the more the more important, the most important of the of the five, but it I seems think. to be the book that that it's the book that they memorized. Didn't children and and actually in the pe- time of Jesus. <clears throat> Uh, the Romans had forbid having the Torah. Mm-hmm. So they had taught Jesus, or he either knew, or they taught all children, boys and girls, to memorize the book of Deuteronomy. Isn't that interesting? So everybody could walk quiet. That's one reason that 72 point some percent of everything in the Gospels that Jesus quotes comes from Deuteronomy because he knew it and he knew that other people had heard it. All right. So, would that is there any kind of a general understanding that, or, or a view that the Book of Deuteronomy is the more the most important of the three of the well, four bo- five books? Or you know, in Deuteronomy one one, uh-huh. it says these are the words of Moses. Uh-huh. Okay. Now, I do want to point out something. I don't know how they do it in English. I don't know how it is in your version. Uh-huh. Um, but um, yeah, Genesis starts off with in in beginning, uh-huh. but then when you get to Exodus. When you get to uh, Numbers, when you mm-hmm. get to Leviticus, they all begin with the same word, the word and. And, and, and. But when you get to Deuteronomy, it doesn't say and, because all the other is from God. It says, and these are the words of Moses. That's why the Greeks would call it the second giving of the law, because Moses is repeating stuff to them. Okay. Well, what I said last week, and you can correct me this week if needed. Well, I don't think that's needed. (laughs) It might be. You never know. But what I said last week is the idea of Deuteronomy, the second law. The the idea was not so much the second or a separate law, but or or maybe a a second giving of the law. But it was the giving of the law to another generation. Actually, that's so interesting. You say that. Oh, that's one of the. Well, I always like to say interesting things. Well, I say it was. And it's almost like we had rehearsed. Uh huh. Because the, um, what you're talking about is he says, I know this is not tonight's reading, it's uh-huh. last week's reading, but it <clears> says, <throat> All of you were there at Mount Sinai. Now, if you stop and you think for a minute, you think, Wait a minute. They weren't there. They weren't there. So, what could he be meaning by that, and how do the Jews take that? They take it that spiritually they were there. So every Jew, whether in the body form or in, shall I say, the spirit form, uh-huh. they were all there at Mount Sinai, and they all heard it, whether they were in the physical body or in the spiritual body. Now, he, the people he was That's speaking to— four, I believe. Okay. Yeah. The people he is speaking to in Deuteronomy, uh, yeah. the reason you say they weren't there— the, the the whole generation of males oh good for you had died off i went to a uh-huh, place okay. this morning actually uh-huh. i went uh i was up to doing it so i did it and you might say and uh the um, and they were talking about this and i did i didn't raise my hand i didn't mm-hmm. mention anything but they discussed so who all died in Deuteronomy? And the consensus of opinion it was a, a Christian setting. They said, oh, well, they all died. I, I didn't offer anything different. But what you just said is correct. Only, only. All the males. The males above what age? 20 years of age. Boy, you got it, Soapy. You know, you should, well, be, that... you should be a Baptist preacher. <laughs> well, 
It didn't come from being a Baptist preacher. It actually just came from reading the words in the Bible. It, it so, does say the so 20-year-olds and under. The guys over, that right? were just turning 20, <clears throat> by the time they got in to uh, Egypt, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, going into Israel, mm-hmm. they were now the 40 plus the 20. So mm-hmm. they'd be reaching 60. Actually, I'm going to suggest something strange to you. Are you ready? Well, that wouldn't be the first time, but okay. Uh, well, here's the deal. I know, and, and there's a certain... Uh, intonation of uh, animosity, I'll grant you. But uh, when God says, you know, your carcasses are going to drop in the wilderness, right? Uh-huh. And uh, it's only the males, the men of war, it says, and I believe it's chapter 2 of Deuteronomy. It says the men of war. So the women didn't die. We know that jo- uh, Hosea, or Joshua, and Caleb did not die. So, And all the men, or anybody under 20, so only the guys that d- defamed the land of Israel and d- said they didn't want to go into the land of Israel. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to suggest the way it's phrased, people say, whoa, God got them, didn't he? Well, if he did do that, why didn't he just zap them all right then? So what this was, I want to give you another way of looking at it. This was an aspect of the mercy of God. He said, I'm not going to kill you. You don't want to go. You will wander in the desert till you die of your own age, your own limitations, mm-hmm, your mm-hmm. own human nature. You will die. So it was an act of mercy. Now, here is what happened. When that took place, the children of these men of war, they had to live with the consequences of their fathers. So they had wandering wander. in the wilderness yes. for forty years, yeah. and so it wasn't God that did it to them. God granted their wish. They said, "We don't want to go." He said, "Okay, if that's what you want. You don't have to. I'll let you stay out here and wander till you all die." So it was in a sense an act of mercy. Of course, God expresses it more or less like, "Well, you know, your carcasses are going to die here in the wilderness," but hmm. it's really okay. an act of mercy. Sure, I, I can, but I can so receive it's the that. Fathers that's... that made the, everybody else do this nasty wandering when they could have got it over with fast. And moved on into yeah, the exactly. promised land and, and, yeah. and, and having, yeah. Okay, well, that's what might have been, right? So we, we uh, might have had, but it didn't. What turned out, what turned out is they wandered now for 40 years in the wilderness. We have uh, the record of that wandering uh, in, uh, what is the book of Leviticus? And then now in number in, in Deuteronomy, I mean, in the book of Numbers. Numbers. And now we come to Deuteronomy, and uh, at least our understanding, the kind of the way that I've been taught the Deuteronomy, apart from what I've learned through you and going through them from the, in the Hebrew perspective, is that, the, for one, the book of Deuteronomy is uh, a series of messages the the book of Deuteronomy is actually given a series of messages given by Moses in about a thirty day period. Uh, f- exactly five weeks. Uh, five about you know a month long period. A month long plus seven days. Yeah. And he okay. He delivers this series of speeches. Uh-huh. Uh, if I remember correctly, what does it say? Three or four? Well, it depends uh, on which Christian reader you want to okay, read. Okay, all right. If if some Christian readers will say three, some say five. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know that I can decipher it, but it tends to look like a sequential of five. Okay, so here is Moses presenting a a a, 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 um, a second presentation of the law to a new generation of 
uh, now fixed and prepared. They're they're sitting right on the uh, on the eastern side of the Jordan River, and, yeah. and they're the camp there. Uh, actually, as it turns out, waiting to ent- cross, waiting for Moses to die, right. and then waiting to cross the Jordan, cross the river, then and to go into the Promised Land that to begin yep. the, the the conquest of the Promised Land, the retaking yeah, of the yeah. Promised Land. Uh-huh. Well, so Moses then is giving them this the re-giving of the law to this new generation. And uh, now, the thing that I've said before that you didn't exactly agree with. Was How the, could that possibly the be? style or the format of the presentation? It is said to us that the the format of the presentation that Moses presents to the people is in the same format of of an ancient treaty or, or contract between a conquering king. Uh, and his vassal states, he has conquered a, a, a nation of people, and he lays down a contract to them. You know, I'm going to be your king, I'm going to be, and here are my conditions, and that you're going to give me this obeisance. You're going to, your response is, this is your response to my lordship over you. And they, that the book of Deuteronomy was wit, written in that kind of a format, kind of a treaty or contract that existed between a, a king who conquered and, and a and and the people who who entered into this country under his rule. And now you have in the past I've mentioned that and you you've said that was kind of new to you or that wasn't something that Well, it's uh you know, the difference the technical difference between the covenant and the contract. Mm-hmm. The contract is you give me a thousand bucks I'll paint your house. Uh-huh. You know, I'll do something you do something. Mm-hmm. This was not the what really happened with the covenant. Well, you saw the word covenant was this what the general understanding of the book of Deuteronomy is that it was kind of a covenant? The covenant is the Abrahamic covenant mm-hmm. and, of course, the covenant at Mount Sinai. Okay. So it is a covenant from God. It's a unilateral action. So you had an Adamic covenant. You have a Noahic covenant. You have a, a Mosaic. No, an Abrahamic covenant. Uh-huh, Abrahamic. And now a Mosaic. The Mosaic that covenant. That basically is Is that right? No, I think huh. that's correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you see, in fact, or coincidentally, <coughs> I spent several hours while I was... Uh, not, yes. not, uh, not well, you might say. I spent 60 to 70 hours, probably over 70 hours, actually reading and doing a lot of studying on the so-called Abrahamic Covenant. And uh, so I, I'm, you know, I, I have a little working familiarity with that. Uh-huh. I got, there's a reason for that, but I was looking at it, and it's fascinating because, remember, it's the covenant of the parts. They, uh, Abraham is told to basically cut these animals in half. Uh-huh. But Abraham doesn't walk down through them, only God does. Only God does. Ah, so there's a message there. So if Abraham had walked down, then it would have been a contract, bilateral. You do, I'll do. But it didn't say that. It said, and God walked down through this. So God was making a covenant. With himself? Well, with the Jews. Uh-huh. With Abraham's descendants. He was he was announcing a commitment to his people. There that's correct, yes. And so and therefore God would be giving us so this Deuteronomy and especially Joshua, I'm gonna suggest this that if everything had gone a hundred percent properly, which we know it did not, if it had, there should only be six books in the Bible. Should end with the book of what you call Joshua. 
There should be no more. But things didn't go correct. Well, I'm not going to go with that. But okay. I know. But what I'm saying is, if everything, if they had done everything that Moses commanded, and everybody told him, then there would have been no issue about doing anything further. But I will tell you this: we all know Moses did not cross over the Jordan, right? Right. We know that. He died until after until the well, Mount of in, Transfiguration. In the, <laughs> Two thousand uh, a thousand five hundred years later. But that would not be physically. That okay. would be uh, all right. Yeah. No, I was just kind of kidding. No, no, really, but, but I do he wanna, did not. I do want to point out something that he goes up and he it says from the Hebrew it says he he sees the land of Israel. Now how could he go up and see the land of Israel? You can't see all the land of uh-huh. Israel because it's written. Believe it or not in the future tense. Mm-hmm. In other words, he saw everything that was going to happen to Israel. And that's what they so he got his wish. He got he saw Israel as it was going to be uh, when the, the, the nation ultimate to the, what you might call the end of days. Interesting, know. interesting. Okay, well there we are. That's our little intro to Deuteronomy. They're camped on the east side of the Jordan. Moses is delivering this series of 3 to 5 different uh, people different uh, version different some scholars disagree about how many uh there I've heard generally five and then of course there's an ending uh, of the book of Deuteronomy that would not be written by Moses because he died and so they think that perhaps uh who was it uh Aaron perhaps wrote the end or Joshua wrote well, the final I, chapters there's different different explanations I like to subscribe to the fact that Moses wrote it because Moses knew the ending of him Okay. All right. Hmm, interesting. So we have those May sections. May I give you a quote? <coughs> Please do. Yeah, in <coughs> Chapter 1, we're talking about this. Uh, chapter 1, I know this is going backwards, but uh-huh. it says, uh, and Moses saying to them in Chapter 1, verse 39, And as for your small children, of whom you said, they will be taken captive, uh, they who do not know good from evil this day, they will mm-hmm. come there. And they will be given it, and they will possess it. Because remember, back in Numbers, mm-hmm. they, the reason... They did not go in is because... They said, oh, our kids will be slaves. And God said, well, you, I'm going to let you die, an act of mercy, if you will. But the ones you said about, they're going in, and they're not going to be slaves. <laughs> I like that. That's kind of uh, God... Telling his people, you goofed up, but he made good come out of it. He made things happen according to his plan. Uh, and so the people go into, uh, uh, well, they then they're ready now and prepared to go across the Jordan and go into the promised land. But Moses then, uh, he appoints leaders. We talked about this last week. He appoints leaders of the, for the, each of the different tribes. Uh, scouts, he sends scouts once more in to explore the land. But notice this time, he let me see, what does Moses do? I'm trying to look. Actually, Moses <clears throat> didn't send them. Moses conceded to the desires uh-huh. of the people who said, let's send spies. Actually, I'm going to suggest the word of Shulkim, which I, I think the better word might be emissaries, I would suggest. But the word okay. is everybody uses spies. Spies, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you all came to me and said, okay, so then they rebelled against the command of the Lord. You refused to go in in chapter 1 there, finishing up. Remember Israel's wanderings in the wilderness, uh, and they go through these different places, victory over... And, and they get now to... Uh, they divide the land. We've already seen that. Uh, the land, uh, they receive the different um, 
uh, allotment of land, right, for the promised land. Uh, and then God, and then Moses uh, repeats the Ten Commandments in chapter five. Well, he does with one difference. Mm-hmm. What is it? Tell me. You know what the difference is? Uh, no. Uh, they are a close inspection of comparing them. Is keeping the Sabbath. Okay. In the Sabbath, back in Exodus, it's tied to creation. Mm-hmm. For in six days, God created the earth, the earth, mm-hmm. the world. Then mm-hmm. He rested, right? Yep. But in this one, it says, so you won't be a slave. Okay, interesting. So it's interesting. So that's the basic difference. It says to observe, to observe rather than keep. I'll be more careful. My my headphones gave a little bit of feedback there in the mic. Okay, so we see in chapter 5, Moses then is repeating, giving them. And then he begins to expand upon those Ten Commandments through the rest of the book of Deuteronomy. Now, uh I don't know how we'd like to approach this um, in Deuteronomy. There, he, uh, well, he, you know what? Uh, there's a few things that are that people really pass over. Okay, if you'll pardon the pun. Okay, I get it. And so let's see if we can uh, let's see if we can find um, a, a correction in some of this because um, let's see. Let's, why don't we do this? Uh, let's start over at, uh, oh, let's start, why don't we go to, because I know we're going to include this anyway, why don't we go to uh, uh, number chapter 15? Uh-huh, okay. A part of this time, Moses is rehashing or reviewing oh, I some of the you history. That. Thank you. He repeats the laws that we've got in uh, the uh-huh. first four books, mm-hmm. except in Deuteronomy, mm-hmm. we have seven zero. 70 new laws. So 70 new laws appear in the book of Deuteronomy. Mm-hmm. All the rest he's reciting is from the other four books. Okay. And he uh, he repeats the 10, you know, the big Before 10. we go to 15, why don't we go to the most famous chapter? Because if you prick a Christian, you'll okay. see you get John 3.16. Uh-huh. You know, for God so loved the world, right? You're right. I got well, it. Well, if you prick a Jew, you get chapter 6 of Deuteronomy, verse 4. Okay. I think I remember what that is, but let me get back to it. Shema Israel, Adonai Elchinu, Adonai Echad. Shema Israel. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is your God, the Lord is one. Chapter 6, verse... Four. Four. There uh-huh. it is. Listen, or hear, or hear, O Israel. The Lord is your God. The Lord is one. The Lord, only one. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. And you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Right. And so on. I, of course, we remember that famously. I, We remember it most famously because when they asked Jesus, uh, you know, rabbi or teacher, wh- what is the greatest commandment? And he says, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your strength. And then he adds, and the second is likened to it, you should love your neighbor you as know, yourself. You know, I want to point that out. That's so interesting you say that because I, I've caught that because he does say that when somebody mm-hmm. says, what's the most important? He says, this, you know, should love the Lord thy God, right? With all your heart. Aha. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Now, I want, that tells us something that somebody's, passing over again uh, when it says he says what's the greatest commandment uh-huh. well we typically run around saying well there's ten commandments but that's not one of the ten uh-huh, true. so that means these other things are also commandments 
So he identified these as being commandments also, and that's true. So these are commandments. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, you might find a something, you know, in Jews' homes, they have something called a mezuzah. Mm, okay. Right? That's a little, Sounds like a, an interesting musical instrument. It does, something. and you could try to play it if you like. Uh, but <laughs> it's a little, it's a little, it's a little, a little, no, a little plaque, you might say. But say it again, mezuzah? Mezuzah. Mezuzah. Now, inside that is a piece of scripture. Uh-huh. And that scripture is Deuteronomy chapter 6 and a portion of Deuteronomy chapter 11. Mm-hmm. And that's what's inside there. And you'll see it on the door frame. In fact, this is where they get it from. So if we continue reading, uh, it says, uh, uh, verse Deuteronomy 6, 6. Uh-huh, uh-huh. These matters that I command you today shall be upon your heart. 7. You shall teach them thoroughly to your children, and you shall speak them when you sit in your house and while you walk on your way, when you retire and when you rise. Uh-huh. You shall bind them for a sign on your arm and let the ornaments between your eyes. That's... What you see Jews doing with a little box on their head mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and a thing wrapped around their arm. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they call them, uh, let's see, I guess in the New Testament they call them phylacteries. Mm-hmm. Well, tefillin. And, uh, Write them on the doorpost of your house, you on now, your gates. That's why at the Jews' house you see this little, this little uh, it's kind of an oblong little thing. They design many different designs. But inside them is a piece of scripture. But that's what's from is 9. It says, write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Well, so on the Jew's home, I have one on mine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you put it out there because that's a commandment, you see. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot, uh, interestingly enough, I don't know if it's related to this topic or not, but, of course, a, a, a lot of New Testament believers also write God's laws and promises. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I, they write these principles, John three sixteen. You, We also write those scriptures. And, and of course, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength. We write those as well. On Tell me, what do you what do you take the word strength to mean? <clears throat> well, I I'm supposed, I I have to confess I probably don't get that exotic with it. I meant uh, I guess it means my strength, my energy, uh, my strength, the uh, force. That and I have. and uh, the the better word that we would understand in English today is the word resources. Mm-hmm. So my wealth, perhaps my physical strength, mm-hmm. you like, That's but also good. my wealth, my resources. How could that possibly be 30 minutes? I mean, that just we just introducing oh, the... And I got one more thing to add, about six. Okay, well, we'll come back to it right after this very, very short little break, folks. Don't you go anywhere, because we'll be right back. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. When the stars came crashing down 
tiny pieces to the ground. I was all alone down here, trapped beneath the atmosphere. Then I thought somebody called my name. I spun around and caught a flame. I gave into a god I didn't know. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Through the study of God's Word, we are learning to be the light, the light of the world. And uh, yeah, we, you know, we're just talking about how you know, we you know, desperately if, need. If you take a. Uh, uh, Israeli, uh, a Jew, and he goes on a diet and loses 25 pounds. You know what he call him? Uh, Israelite. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Well, John, John asked during the break, we were just talking, he said, well, what percentage of people read the Bible now? What percentage of people, I guess you were talking about more or less our culture, right? I was curious how many people, would you say, have read the entire Bible, either front to back or just in parts, but eventually reading all of it. Yeah, yeah. And at one time, we were told, of course, there was a time in our culture, in our society, of course, long, long, long ago now, when uh, people were taught to read in our schools by reading the Bible. And so there was a high percentage. I think you said that at one time there was... My information is, at the present time, approximately 8% of American public read the Bible cover to cover that before the 50s, it was in the neighborhood of 30 to 40 percent. Back when it was a McGuffey reader, when it was people learned in school by reading the Bible, it was as high as 75 percent. Yeah, yeah. I, and I remember educated people of those eras, like a, or Lincoln or some of that, they, they read the Bible. It was common to know the Bible. It was, it was expected that someone, uh, an educated person, would know this great book, and not so much perhaps theologically in the sense that it was the Word of God and this and so on, although that was a part of it without any doubt, but there was a recognition that Western civilization, even from Western Europe, England, that coming out of the Reformation and the the Enlightenment, you know, the God's Word became available to people everywhere that it was recognized that this book, uh, the truths and the, and the worldview that is expressed in this book, the Bible, was, was, is what gave rise to Western civilization and, and advancement and understanding and, you know, being uh, humane and, and kind and well, greatness you know how and so on. People mistakenly say that uh, Greece was the cradle of civilization. That's not true. <clears throat> The Bible was the cradle of civilization. The Greece had many slaves. The mm-hmm. Spartans did all kinds of bad things. 
they, they were not civilized. They were very, very preferential. Mm-hmm. But the Bible declared equality, ecumenity between mm-hmm, everybody. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But anyway. Anyway, yeah, there we go. Well, we're coming back now to the book of Deuteronomy. If you'd like to give us a call, uh, maybe there's some observation you would make about either the book of Deuteronomy, uh, the teaching of the book of the Deuteronomy, or anything about the Bible. And of course, we could jump to the New Testament. Uh, Jesus uh, quoted vociferously from the Hebrew Scriptures and from the book of Deuteronomy quite often. That was a, probably one of the more well-known books, I guess, in that particular era. So maybe there's things about the New Testament or concepts in the, well, New, in the Bible the math, that you'd, we've done you'd like to discuss. So. And in the four Gospels, 72% uh-huh. of everything he says comes from the book of Deuteronomy. 210-340-9585 if you have a comment or a thought about the Hebrew Scriptures there, the book of Deuteronomy in particular. Let me just tell you one quick thing. Go for it. In chapter Mm 6, that famous line that says, you know, uh, listen, Israel, the Lord is your God, the Lord is one. Uh Hebrew does not have capital letters. However, at the beginning of that phrase... The one letter is like two, three times as big as the rest of the letters. And the last letter is two or three times as big as the letter. So you put those two letters together, and you know what the word spells in English? Witness. In other words, so you're reading it. You are the witness that the Lord is your God, the Lord is one. But it actually is in the Hebrew, and actually mm-hmm. shows it actually has the letter at the beginning and at the end. And it's it's enlarged, so you get the idea that you're spelling another word there. And the word in Hebrew, uh, yeah, yeah, but in English, it's witness. Hmm. So isn't that interesting? Yes, it is very interesting. Okay, let's tell you, let's go over to something. <clears throat> even okay. Because there's a few things that we ought to just covered. Because I really want to get to chapter 22 tonight, uh, if we don't get anywhere else. But let's go over to uh, chapter 15. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Okay. So God is establishing this covenant now with his people. Uh-huh. Moses is reviewing the terms of this covenant uh, that God is making with the people of Israel as they're camped on and, the east side of the Jordan. There were, you might say, converted, became part mm-hmm, of Israel. Mm-hmm. They were not genealogically mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. Uh, biologically Israel, no. but they became part of Israel because they subscribed and they, they became part of became part of the covenant. Exactly. So let's take a look at chapter 15. Mm-hmm. Now, everybody knows, or they think they know, that God said, uh, and they mistakenly think, there's no law that God said you could, for men could have more than one wife. That does not exist. People have always done things they shouldn't, and that's one of the things they shouldn't. But it always was basically one wife, one man. That was the, always the ideal that the was idea, held up. That's right. Now, were there people that tended to act like animals and maybe a stallion had a herd of females? Of course. You can, some cultures have harems. You know, mm-hmm. But that's not the God of the Bible. But anyway, also they always talk about can you have a slave? Well, we know that the only two ways you can become a slave in the Bible is one, if you're a thief and you got to work off the debt for that period of time, or, <clears throat> pardon me, my wife needs surgery, I need to borrow hundred grand for the surgery, I'll work for you to work off that. That's the only two ways. There are, you cannot was get, that the contractual one? The second one you're talking about is like the idea of a contract? Yes. Yeah. I'll, I'll, sure. I'm selling my labor to you. I always joke and say a baseball player. Mm-hmm. So if you're a thief and I, I owe you a thousand, I got to work off the thousand. But while I'm working off the thousand, 
you're going to teach me the Torah. But this gets even more interesting. You're the victim. I'm the perpetrator, let's say. And let's look at chapter 15, what it says. It's a death penalty to take somebody by force and make him a slave. Okay. 100%. Mm-hmm. But look at what it says in 15, uh, what, verse 14. Let's start at 13. Let's see, 15, chapter 15, verse 13, 14. When you release a male servant, do not send him away empty-handed. Giving, give him a generous farewell gift from your flock. In other words, help him get started up in business. Help him to get an, started in a new career besides being a thief. Your threshing floor or your wine press. And then share with him some of the bounty with which the Lord your God has blessed you. Remember that you were once slaves in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you. That is why I'm giving you this command. Uh, but suppose your servant... Well, I won't go further. Yeah. So what it's saying is this. All right, let's say a thief has come along. Let's say mm-hmm. I was a thief. I stole a thousand bucks from you. Okay. And uh, I, I got, if I got the money, I got to give you a thousand plus another thousand from me. Mm-hmm. Do to myself what I did to you. But if I don't have two thousand, I have to work off the one thousand I stole. But And during that period, when I'm working off that one thousand, there's the verses. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that period, I work it off. And when I leave, I'm the thief. But during that time, you've been supposedly, hopefully, teaching me Torah. Teaching God's Word. Uh, and, and, and then you've got to set me free. And the version I like from the NASB mm-hmm. is, as you shall furnish him liberally from your flock and from your threshing floor and from your wine bed. You shall give him as the Lord God has blessed you. So... You help setting him. You've taught him right from wrong. You've taught him the Bible, the Torah, and you're going to help set him up in a lifestyle, and so he hasn't got to be a thief no more. Now that's God's laws. Now we don't do that in America. Well, now we try. Let's be. Let's try to be well, a little well, generous. Well, how generous. Isn't that how, what, how generous do you want to be? Isn't that what like sometimes in in jail or prison they offer classes? People can further their education. They're taught a trade, maybe. Never. In, never. I, I, I'm very familiar with this. Well, the answer is no. I thought they did that no, in some the, situations. No, and you come out, try to get a job. Okay. If you don't go cut lawns or you don't go flip hamburgers or maybe get a job somewhere, you can't go do stuff. I had a friend that was an accountant. He came out. He can't work as an accountant. I've heard that that is changing a little bit. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe we're... Well, my point is, okay. when we say we're a Judeo-Christian country, great. I think in some ways that's true. But the truth is, it does. It says your brother shall be returned to you. Why does it say brother? Because after he paid his penalty, he's your brother again. But this is not how we're doing it. For example... Now, can I ask, just, I'm, I'm not trying to get political or anything, but isn't that a little bit what... Even Trump is even trying to get now. They're they're releasing a lot of people who are there for nonviolent crimes and for this, and they're trying to. There is a movement, yeah. some kind of a movement to try to kind of perhaps yeah. re, come back to that kind of a thing where we would receive people mm-hmm. and give them a second chance and and hire people who've you know maybe been in prison and they can. I, I think there's a little bit of something that's yeah, trying to work. This, you want it to be true, uh-huh. and I want you to have what you want. <laughs> okay. But the truth is, it's not yet. It's not We're not yet. there yet. Okay. And, and I want you to have what you're saying, mm-hmm. but I'm also going to tell you, you you'll never vote. Mm-hmm. You will, or you can't get a loan. You can't get a bond. You can't go do things. You will never own a gun. You can never go hunting. 
you have lost all kinds of citizenship rights. Now, mm-hmm. some people are going to say, well, that's fine. They were a criminal. Okay, so be it. And I'll accept that. But I am going to say that's not what it says here. Mm-hmm. It says your brother shall be returned to you. And it says you're supposed to help him set up. And restore and, and him. we're yeah. not doing it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, that's okay as long as we're being honest with ourselves mm-hmm. and saying mm-hmm. we're not going to do it. And that's our way we're going to handle it. I'm going to say, okay, that's fine. Uh, but as long as we understand, this says something different. Well, there's no doubt about the fact that to the degree we can... Uh, whatever, maybe it's a disappointing level still, but I know I used to go down uh, every every uh, Thursday, right. uh, every week I would go down, and I know that these ministries still exist that yes, go down sir. into county, prison into Bear County. Billy and, Graham, other people have Teach prison Sister, ministries. Colson, sure. Chuck, right. and so, uh, going down, and, and we fellowship with these guys, and we try to teach while God's law. In and, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, while they're in there. Yeah, yeah. and we, you know, we go down, and I know that some of that takes place, uh-huh. and I know that from my own experience there, having done that, yeah. that friendships are made, and I have known occasionally when people have come out right. that they have, connected with people who've been there helping them and grow and they've have hired them and they i know some who've taken on a job and I given say, a second chance i can't say it, that isolated cases but it's not system systemic yet it's not part of the system but it's just isolated cases where i've seen it happen okay let's say it's isolated cases but we're, uh, I think we can agree, and i'm not saying it's wrong sure, what we're it. doing i'm not saying that but i am saying this it doesn't that rise to the it, ideal that's painted here. Well, if that's how you want to put it, yes. Yeah. But I'll also say this. There's no place, and I, and I listen, it's a tough spot. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the answer is. I'm just saying I don't know. But uh, there is no spot in the Bible except one in the Torah where somebody gets stuck in custody in jail. Only mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. And that's for a very short time. Of course, the penalty wasn't so good, he got killed. <laughs> in the end, yeah. uh, But uh, and in the New Testament... There is, I see no example, none whatsoever, none, where the good guys are putting the bad guys in jail. I only see examples where the bad guys, the rulers, whoever, are putting the good guys, like Paul, other Peter. They're putting the good guys in jail. Or John the Baptist. Well, the, you see, you're reinforcing my examples. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I just want to go over a couple of things. Let's go to a couple others real quick, just to give okay. a taste of this. Okay. Yes, yes. Uh, let me just. I'm so glad you're here because I think you can shed more light on some of this. Now, uh, our, our, our view, as you understand it, and I'm, not trying to, I'm just trying to fill a little bit of time here, is that as we look through all of these Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy, and, and all of the Hebrew scriptures, is that in so many ways this keeps pointing forward to. Although it was meant for that moment, and these are expressions of, of God's will and God's ways with the people of Israel, but in so many ways, this keeps pointing forward to the the ultimate plan of God and to that Redeemer, that Savior, that Messiah who is to come someday well, that's for the whole he world. That's because was doing but, what you could do. Mm-hmm. You could do these laws. He did those laws. I could do these laws. Now, I'm not saying I'm a Messiah. I'm not saying you mm-hmm. are, but I am saying you can do these. That is true. Yes, it is. I, 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 think, I think, but that's where we ought to pause. Uh, okay, I'll pause. Let's go to chapter nineteen, but not forever. I <laughs> chapter nineteen. Sure. Okay, let's, let's, uh, let's go to chapter nineteen. Now, here is the biblical law. 
Here's the biblical law. I like this. Mm -hmm. uh, this is the law of the false witnesses. Okay. And look at... Uh, uh, it's Chapter 19. And uh, look at... You, would you be kind enough to read 18, 19, 20? Okay. It says... Um, if a malicious witness comes forward and accuses someone of a crime, then both the accuser and the accused must appear before the Lord by coming to the priest. Oh, I picked up at sixteen. I'm oh. sorry. If they must, the judges must investigate the case thoroughly. If the accuser has brought false charges against his fellow Israelite, you must impose on the accuser. The accuser, the sentence he intended for the other person. In this way, you will purge such evil from among you. Then the rest of the people will hear about it and be afraid to do such an evil thing. Ah, so you see what it's saying? Yeah. If you're a false witness, and let's say you were facing five years in prison, or let's say death. You falsely well, accuse someone right, of a And it turns out that you're a false witness. Whatever penalty they were going to get, you get Seems like justice, doesn't it? It does, and isn't there something about that we're trying to get nowadays? What's it called in our modern parlance? No, it's exactly opposite. You actually, there's actual federal statutes and rules and regulations about it. If I can put somebody else in prison, I can get a sentence cut. That encourages me to become a false witness. That's right. I guess I know what you mean. But I heard that, no, I'm not saying what the law is, yeah. but I've heard that there trying to get laws that discourage people from bringing about frivolous lawsuits. Oh, that's not and, law. We're and, not talking about civil. We're talking about taking people's lives and we're putting them in jail. Oh, that's civil, huh? That's civil. Okay. I'm talking about putting somebody in jail for 10 years. See, By actually, falsely accusing them. If I, if I steal a thousand bucks from mm -hmm. I, I don't learn anything if you put me in prison for 10 years. You have now taken something from me that I did not take from you. I didn't take 10 years of your life. That's why the Bible is trying to teach us there must be justice. But the justice is you must return eye for eye. Look at the next verse that you didn't get a chance to read. Uh -huh. 21. You shall not show pity. Life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, and hand for hand, foot for foot. In other words, justice. The punishment should be equal to the offense. To the offense. So in other words, a punishment, as Jonathan Swift said, who wrote Gulliver's Travels mm -hmm. and some other things, a punishment so sublime as to fit the crime. Yeah, a lot of us, a lot of uh, people who maybe don't know the Bible as thoroughly as they should, they take that idea of uh, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That means vengeance. Mm -hmm. That we use that as you know, that's a, vengeance, and, and that's not a what is it's actually meant from the Hebrew. It means a limitation. Mm -hmm. Don't go beyond what was done to you. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. It's using those examples. The punishment say, should be in a line with right. whatever the crime is. Do not is. go to the right and do not go to the left. Do not go beyond what was done to you. Mm -hmm. And let's say that, uh, I mean, uh, there are people who get very slim sentences sometimes, and some people who get extraordinarily crucial sentences. And it's disproportionate. It's unfair. Mm -hmm. But be it as made, that's our culture, that's our society. I'm just saying that the Bible says it's supposed to be the same type of quid pro quo. If you if somebody steals money, they got to pay you money back. We all know what quid pro quo well, means we, we now, now. Lawyers, thanks to the yeah, lawyers have used that for ever since. Yeah, right. But here, so anyway, so anyway, so that's interesting. That's another law that's here. So these laws are really interesting. Uh, that was chapter what nineteen. Uh huh. That was. Can we jump backwards uh, real quick and go to 17? Sure. 
Let's take a look at. This. So these are some more, some more, some of the more interesting yeah, passages these that, are things that people are not talking relative about. to what we do today in our what we're experiencing. Uh-huh. Well, let's go back to chapter seventeen and look at verse. If you'd be so kind, verse fourteen. Uh, uh, you are about to enter the land. Now Moses is talking to the people. You are about to enter the land the Lord your God is giving you. When you take it over and settle there, you may think we should select a king to rule over us like all the other nations around us. If this happens, be sure to select as king the man your Lord your God chooses. You must appoint a fellow Israelite. He may not be a foreigner. Foreigner. The king must not build up a large stable of horses for himself or send his people to Egypt well, to buy the horses. I wanted you to read that was mm-hmm. this. Peep, how did Herod in the New Testament get to be king? He's an Edomite. Mm-hmm. The Jews never picked him. The Romans picked him. Mm-hmm. Even in Old Testament, in the Greek, they called it Edominian. Mm-hmm. But he's an Edomite. Mm-hmm. He's not Jewish. And so... It's forbidden in God's laws to put a non-Jew in charge of Israel. Mm-hmm. Herod is a non-Jew. Mm-hmm. How did he get there? Because the same way they put the people in charge of the temple, they put the king over Israel. And that's not an unknown thing because even like when England would conquer a country like Ireland, Scotland, they mm-hmm. put a minority in charge because they knew that they would not be sympathetic to the populace. You see? Oh, I see, I see. So, uh, so it says don't do that. In <clears throat> fact, if you, then if you go on, it says another law. Don't Look return at, to Egypt. Don't oh, buy horses for himself right. or send the people Look to Egypt. It says that the king, the Jewish king must do in verse 18. Well, first it says he must not take many wives for himself well, because that's right. it's, that's right. and we remember we Solomon. Remember you know, yeah. Solomon. Okay. His love, his love is emotions. And there's an example since okay. you mentioned Solomon. And he when he sits emotion. on the throne as king, he must copy for himself this body of instruction, the laws of God, on a scroll in the presence of the Levitical priests. He must he must copy for himself this the 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 laws of God, he must always keep that copy with him and read it daily as long as he lives. That way he will learn to fear the Lord his God by obeying all the terms of these instructions and decrees. He has to write the Torah in his own hand as Mm -hmm. king. Mm -hmm. Actually, it says he has to make two copies. Mm -hmm. One is set right by him as a witness against him. The other, the priest keep. But he has to write in his own hand so he can't say, oh, I didn't know that. So he does know that. So God's laws are supposed to control the king. And, of course, it cannot be a foreigner. Isn't that fascinating? It is. See, these are laws that people aren't talking about. Well, let's go uh, one more. uh, Is this what is referred to when we talk about the rule of law? Remember, even in our conversations today, we are a nation... uh, uh, under rule of law, not by a dictator, but is that kind of the concept that we get even today in our modern, even with about Trump and this, if you listen to these, uh, the impeachment and all this sort of thing, they talk about the rule of law that we are now, we're, we're under law, not, we're not under a dictator. It's not just sort of a, this one person's law. Is this, is this referenced there in the, in the slightest bit? Is this the idea of well, the, this was a nation the under sentence. the rule of law? They take the sentence, but uh, in the spot when it talks about judges in the book of Deuteronomy, and that's where it actually goes over into the New Testament, it says, judge not lest you be judged. Well, right. in the book of Deuteronomy, uh-huh. I'm not, not going to go there real quick, but uh, the judges, 
can only use God's laws. And that's why in the, Jesus in his New Testament says, if you uh, make up your laws, make up your make law, own laws, if you judge, in other words, make up your own law, the next guy will make up his. And the whole idea was judge not lest you be judged because you're making up your own laws to be the judge. You must use God's laws is what Jesus was saying. Mm-hmm. And that's why he says if your son asks for a fish, would you give him a serpent? Because your laws are serpents. God's laws are fish. Yeah. So the idea is that if you make up your own laws, so then other like, people are going to be just fine making up their laws. Then we're in the rule, and we'll all, everyone will use the phrase, oh, the rule of law. But the law is what I made it up. The law from... That's exactly what we see a live version of that with this whole idea of impeachment. Now, the Democrats, for the first time, are using impeachment as totally as a political tool. And I heard today on the news that from now on, you can expect that any time there is a president of one party and the House is uh, controlled or a majority of the House is from the over the party, you can expect they're going to impeach him because now it's become a political tool. As opposed to uh, uh, what it was intended to be. Is that kind of the idea of the rule of law? It seems, yes. If you change the law and you use it, now it's going to open the door for other people to abuse it as well. The rule of law. We all are changing the laws. All right. Well, there it is. Another segment gone by. We'll come back to this. Give us a call if you'd like. 210-340-9585. We'd love to hear from some of you about... Uh, book of Deuteronomy about God's laws as it relates to our nation and our times in which we are living. You can call in and give us a thought about it if you'd like. 210-340-9585. Don't go away. Oh, Jesus, Jesus I'll never forget what you done for me. Jesus, I'll never forget. You set my soul free. Jesus, I'll never forget how you brought me out. Well, no, 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 I'll never forget. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. John, are you telling me that's Sam Cooke? Well, no, 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 I'll never forget. I remember I took my feet off the ball. All right. Sam Cooke coming to us. I didn't know Sam Cooke talking, sing about Jesus. That's kind of cool. Well, anyway, we're back, and we're looking at our final segment here with going in through the book of Deuteronomy. That's what we read in our reading schedule this last week, chapter 6 through chapter, I believe it was 20, um, 28. So we're, we're trying to deal with kind of the high points. Remember the context here. Moses is delivering a, a second delivery of the law to, the, to another generation of the people of Israel the, on, on the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. The uh, former generation of males, at least, had died away in the wilderness. And now Moses here, they're camped on the east side of the Jordan River. This message, the book of Deuteronomy, is presented to the people of Israel there, this new generation of of Israelites, uh, just as they are preparing now to enter, cross over the Jordan and enter into the Promised Land. So um, this is the end of that 40-year period of wandering. Moses is presenting this new covenant to the people of, uh, of Israel, 
And uh, we're re- going through some of the high points of the book of Deuteronomy, which, as it turns out, was a, uh, was a primary uh, text that the Jewish people uh, listened to and read and memorized even in the time of Jesus. You know, 1,500 years later now when uh, uh, Jesus of Nazareth is, is born in Bethlehem and though on, as he develops his ministry, under the dictatorship, under the rule of the Romans, the Israelites could not have a Torah. They could not have a calendar. They could not practice circumcision. Uh, but they memorized to a great extent, a great number, the book of Deuteronomy. And, of course, you have Jesus quoting um, very often in his ministry from the book of Deuteronomy. And uh, so, in other words, this this has a historical context, an important context for us, the book of Deuteronomy does. And so um, we're trying to hit some of the high points. So yeah, Jacob, let's hit, let's hit continue. a couple of important things in chapter 22 and 23, but let's do 22 first. Okay. All right, look at, uh, first of all, look at 22, verse 5. All right. A woman must not put on men's clothing, and a man must not wear women's clothing, Anyone who does this is detestable in the sight of the Lord your God. Now, may I guess, may I just say, and I'm, and I'm guessing it's something here, that, yes, it says what it says and it means what it says, but 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 this, this was more than just like, there's something more serious here than just the idea of uh, kind of in jest or something, someone doing this. This this was more this was more serious than just like a Halloween prank or something much more serious okay in fact, the word see when you do trans this is if you translate the word clothing mm-hmm. most traditional English uh, versions use the word garment garment may mean different things it comes from the word uh calais uh let's think of the Irish name Kelly but Calais mm-hmm. mm-hmm. anyway. Uh, and I know a friend of yours, uh, Rabbi Stahl, mm-hmm. he one time was speaking to a group, and he said to the group, and they were kind of surprised, and he said, actually, this refers to women are not supposed to carry the implements of war, ah, because that's a man thing. Women, men are not supposed to carry all the beauty products of women. Okay? Now, one time when... Uh, what ha- so it actually, when it's talking about is this. Now, when it says uh, 22, where am I? Let me see, 22. 22, that was verse uh, 5. Okay, so you're not put on the garb because it's an abomination. Mm-hmm. So what this is referring to, the reason this is here is that there, and I hold on to your seatbelt here. Okay. Uh, this is a reaction to foreign gods. Foreign gods, sex has always been used with pagans as a form of worship. Sex has always been used as a form of worship. Well, names you see in the Bible. With the idea of fertility gods and that uh, sort of, all of that sort of thing, oh, right? Oh, it's worse, worse than that. Uh, I know, but I'm just saying that's kind of an ex- I remember that people of Israel under Balaam and... and, no, no, and ba- let's, 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 let's go to actually what it means. Okay. Uh, okay. You're familiar in the New Testament of something called Asherah Pole. Yes. And Astarte. Uh-huh. You've heard of Ishtar. Ishtar. Let me tell you about... In summer, These are false gods, right? A god... Well, heck with being false gods. Pagan Their gods. way of worship was homosexuality, transgenderism, cross-dressing. Mm-hmm. They would actually... I, uh, this last week, I spent close to 70 hours doing all this research. I've, I've been reading the poems from Babylon. There was a... In Babylon, they had a god named... 
I Nanar. The male version of him is called Nanar. Mm-hmm. Moon, moon god. Uh-huh. Uh, they, uh, there was a corresponding Canaanite god that you're familiar with. Is the uh, the Canaanite god is Astarte. You'll Astarte. see that mm-hmm. occasionally mm-hmm. in the Bible. Mm-hmm. The later it became the god, same god, different cultural name, same way of worshiping, and that god's name was. Uh, Ishtar. Ishtar. Was that akin to the idea of the Asherah pole that was a... They're all the same God, uh, mm-hmm. but if I go to English, I say one name, I go to Hebrew another, I go to Greek another, but okay. it's the same God. Mm-hmm. Now, later on, they became the God Aphrodite mm-hmm. and Venus. Mm-hmm. In the Greek cultures, yeah. In the Greek cultures. They started out being a way of worship. They were many times androgynous or hermaphrodites. Sometimes not necessarily. Like there's one famous poem that I was reading over this last week. And, pardon me. And uh, they would be, sometimes you'll see the female guard with a god with a male beard. Mm -hmm. So this transgenderism, all the stuff that people talk about is progressive. It is not progressive. It's regressive. Now, I don't know exactly. I haven't settled. I have not settled on how I feel about all this. But I know this that the form of worship was worshiping the gods in that method. I'm toying with the idea. I have not come to a conclusion. But uh, I'm toying with the fact, is this what's going on in our society? Is really worshiping a different god? Mm -hmm. Is homosexual marriage and that kind of stuff? stuff, And I'm troubled by it. I have not formulated a complete satisfactory answer for myself. But I, I spent 70 hours reading about this stuff over this last week. When I was not feeling well, I did a lot of reading. Well, I don't think there can be any doubt that it is totally antithetical to biblical Christianity and to traditional Christianity. That, that, that I don't think that's that can be questioned by anybody. That's that's the way the Bible was understood and for decades and decades and decades and centuries. But now, of course, the whole point is not only just a rebellion against that, but the emphasis now is not so much on contradicting, but but compromising the biblical truth and saying, well, is that what it really meant? Now, you know, it didn't really mean that. It was really well, saying something else. I know. So it's a different kind of attempt going on, but it is a, a contradiction of of. What the but Bible the one thing we says. can't get around is these foreign gods at the time Moses wrote this, at the time he came down Mount Sinai, this whole way of worshiping these pagan gods was involving this. Let me tell you about the festivals with the Sumerians. They had the god Inanar, which well, was both. Go ahead, I'm sorry. I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm really sorry, but, but it just made me think is because uh, I was – Watching today, on the, they were interviewing. There's some big interview of this uh, mayor from Cincinnati, Mayor Pete or whatever. Yeah. But I can't even say his last name, whatever it is. But the whole point. Buttag. Yeah, but the whole P- Peter Buttag. They, they say judge. They yeah, say yeah, judge because they don't want to say his name. Yeah, I see. Well, there you go. But the whole point was, he I'm is sorry, supposedly they say mayor. They say mayor Peter. Yeah, yeah. He's he's. Supposedly, and of course, I don't know his heart and his soul, so I can, but he's supposedly a, a Bible believing. Well, he yeah, claims. Yeah, yeah, so that's what I'm saying that now, instead of a direct contradiction of it, it's kind of the idea of compromising it and saying, oh, you can be, well, it's all right. You know, you can I, be. I get it. It's all about love. Mm-hmm. And if love is good, how can love be bad? Yes, yes. I got it. 
but and but and I, I'm gonna and that's why I'm trying to make it clear. I, I, get I it. have not settled in my mind about all this, mm-hmm. but I know this was the ancient form of way of worshiping in the Sumerian culture. And I was reading this translated poem from the Sumerian culture that became the Babylonian one of the goddesses and god, uh, Estarte, which was uh, a female. Mm-hmm. When it became a male, it was Atarta. Mm-hmm. And but it's the same God, and it would change its sex. How they celebrated, and I'm sorry, I didn't. Want, I didn't mean. To, I, don't, I don't want to get off on politics. I get the, it. No, and no, this, and I did. I wasn't trying to get into politics. I was only trying to show that. No, but I want that same wanna, dynamic is at work today. It's the same, perhaps the same dynamic, but I really want to avoid it because I, mm-hmm. I think it's so important because we can all take uh, an exception to perhaps this personal lifestyle, but. I'd rather go back and see the, where this originates from. That's what mm-hmm. I like. Okay. So, um, in the Sumerian culture, this Ainananar was uh, their celebrations on their festival day and celebrating that god or goddess. Mm-hmm. There was a transgender goddess, but uh, and they were the men were dressed like women, the women like men, and they were both all free to have sex with either sex. So it was the way of celebration. There were no limitations. So. This and I and I started thinking to myself, is it possible? I'm saying possible. Are we seeing the same thing taking place again? I've I've come to this conclusion. This conclusion is that we're not being progressive, we're going regressive. I have not decided if this is a way of honoring and worshiping a different God. I know the similarities of what I've I've been watching and reading about. As uh, is how they live their lifestyle, and it seemed to be we've heard that in the Greek culture homosexuality mm-hmm. was a common thing, but prominent. They, yep. But they didn't have the God of the Bible, neither did right. the other groups. The only monotheistic God of the Bible was the Jews and the ones that joined with them that were grafted in, if mm-hmm. you will. But he, so anyway, what I find is that's so fascinating to me that these ancient gods had the ability to become both male and female, as did their followers. And I thought, man, that's well, no, that's regressive. That's exactly how that form of worship. I have not decided how I, how to accept that or how to deal with that. I don't know, but I'm just telling you that's some of the facts. But I want to go on four out of time. There's a couple <laughs> of things I want to go to. Now we. Uh, you were talking about chapter twenty-two. Yes. Okay. okay. So one more thing in twenty-two. Now the Bible, I think it's fair to say, was written predominantly by men. And some women seem to be troubled by that. However, men didn't always prefer men. They tried to be just. Mm-hmm. Look, if you will, look in 22. If a man marries a wife, comes there and he hates her, and he makes a wanton accusation uh, against her, um, the man, it says, and he takes uh, the signs of her not being a vestal virgin, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, or a virgin, um, and he slanders her with a wrongful accusation, a mm-hmm. wanton accusation. It says uh, um, that uh, the elders, in verse twenty-two, eighteen, the elders of the city shall take the man and punish him. They shall fine him, and he shall, he shall have to pay money. And he has to give the money to the father. Family of the, of the woman, yeah. Yeah. Well, why not give it to the woman? Because that's just handing her the money, and, she, and the guy's going to get it back. Mm-hmm. So it's set up to where it's like almost like a trust for her, mm-hmm. and that is her independent wealth. But that's 
She controls that. But look at this. The guy is punished for slandering the woman. Mm -hmm. So that's how God was dealing with protecting women. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Well, and and only in the interest of time, I'd like to jump to 23 if we may. Mm Mm-hmm. Let's see, 23. Um, well, there's part of that we cannot discuss on, on uh, radio. <laughs> part of, this gets pretty graphic and very uh, specific here in the book of Deuteronomy and uh, uh, in dealing with some of these issues, but that, that's good. What, chapter 23, verse what? Well, let's take a look at... Uh, um, Just so it's not verse 1, okay. 23, uh, let's see, 16. Okay. If, okay. sla- if slaves should escape from their masters and take refuge with you, you must not hand them over to their masters. Now, think about that. So L- uh, Let them live among you in any town they choose and do not oppress them. Wow. Uh, so God said, God never allowed slavery. As we said, there's only two ways. You're a thief or you borrowed money. You've got to work it off. But see right here it says, if somebody else has a slave and they escape and they come to you, you got to lie. Now, you- slavery was akin to kidnapping. Man stealing, yeah, right? Man stealing, sure. You sh- and, and if someone escapes from that situation, right. having been kidnapped or stolen, right. and put under duress, oppressed, and they escape from that to you, you're not to return them to their master. Okay, so the guy, the owner comes looking for him. We have an example with Abraham and his his so-called slave Eleazar. Uh-huh. They come looking for him, and Abraham says, "Look," and he buys his freedom. But what this says is, you do not return him to his master. And it goes on to say, as you use the word correctly, it says, and you shall not, uh, you shall not uh, oppress him. Do you know what that means? No. It means you don't embarrass him and you don't charge him money to hide him. He can live, look what it says, he, can live, he shall choose wherever he wants to live in your towns where it pleases him. You shall not mistreat him or oppress him. In other words, he's free. Slavery was not allowed in ancient Israel. Now, are there people that did things wrong? Sure. But did God say it? He said, you cannot do this. Mm-hmm. Now, it was one more thing. and I want to It go was ahead. akin to kidnapping. It was man-stealing. Kidnapping and man, is and so the just, modern way they put translating in the modern Bibles. And, and then just quickly, I want to mention the fact that I remember initially you had trouble with the book of Philemon in the New Testament yeah, yeah. because uh, Paul met a, 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 it says slave or servant that had escaped, and, right. and Paul actually sent him back to yes. Philemon. Yes. This guy's name was uh, the, 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 the uh, escape, Onesimus. Onesimus, and he sent him back. And then it re- we realized that this was, in fact, one of those acceptable arrangements of, of, of servanthood says, that as, he as owed him out, money. As you pointed out. Uh, Paul said, charge it to my debt. Yeah, I will pay his debt. Yeah, so, there you Wh- go. Which was uh, kind of what you're saying, that he wasn't a slave in the sense of, and Paul would have been wrong to send him back to his owner he if he was a Paul, slave in this stolen Paul human. If him back to be returned a slave, it would have been a violation of yeah. God's laws. But he had had a debt, evidently, uh, stolen says, something. He's right. And he Paul said, sent and him Paul back, says, but he says, I'll lay whatever debt he has lay it to, to my account. There you yeah. go. Now, okay. the other thing I want to go to before it gets too late. Okay. Because these are a bunch of laws that people people don't read this stuff very much anymore. And they, all these laws clear up so much stuff. Can you have a mm-hmm. slave? All this mm-hmm. other kind of mm-hmm. stuff. But look at this other thing here. Um, 
Uh, look down. Now, you're familiar in the New Testament where Jesus, the Samarian woman, the Syncophoenician, mm-hmm. comes up and Jesus says, oh, it's not right to give the do- the right. bread of the children to the dogs. We read that in the Gospel uh, of Matthew yes, just so not now, too many weeks maybe ago. Maybe you'd be kind enough to, uh, you got to read uh, number 17 and 18 together. Of verse of chapter twenty three still? Uh yes, in twenty three, yes. Seventeen and eighteen together. No Israelite, whether man or woman, may become a temple prostitute. When you are bringing an offering to fulfill a vow, you must not bring you must not bring to the house of the Lord your God any offering from the earnings of a prostitute, whether a man or a woman, for whether a man or a woman, for both are detestable to the Lord your God. Is that they leave out the word dog? It leaves out the word God, dog. dog. Yeah, that's uh, what's well, spelled backwards. Okay, here's what. Here's the. I think the more literal translation. Mm-hmm. It says, uh, "Shall not be a uh, cult prostitute, and shall not the sons of Israel shall not be a cult prostitute." What's the matter? You found something. Uh, verse eighteen. The footnote said the male prostitute in the verse in this verse is literally the Hebrew word for dog, a particularly contemptuous characterization. In the ancient Near East, this derisive term is also used in the New Testament to characterize other people. Okay, so. Well, so what it appears that Jesus was referring to when he says it's not right to give it to the dog, Jesus says that, not other people. Mm-hmm. He's saying, and it's probably a little boy, and it's being dressed. Because that, that religion, that pagan religion, where homosexuality, transgenderism was all acceptable, and that was a way of worshiping. Temple prostitution so, and so child. What he's saying is, you've turned your child into a dog. Why a dog? Because they will mate with anything. And there was a requirement that all little boys and little girls had to set as a temple prostitute, and then they could go marry. But So what it says is, and it actually says in verse 18, you should not bring the hire of a harlot or the wages of a dog into the house of the Lord. So you can't, the, where the money comes from matters. And this is footnoted or cross-referenced to the book of Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 25 Well, and there's something else well. I just want to go to real quick. You want mm-hmm. to see a couple other pr- practical examples of this in the mm-hmm. Bible? Okay. Do you have your Bible? I do. Okay, and you've got all the stuff mm-hmm. in the Old Testament. Why don't you take a look over at uh, 2 Kings 23.7. I'll go as fast as I can. Twi- I know. We're just short on time. That's 23 7. Okay. Second Kings. I'm not far off. Okay. Hear those pages turn. 23 7 yeah. says um, He also tore down the living quarters of the male and female shrine prostitutes that were inside the temple of the Lord where the women wove wove coverings for the Asherah pole. Okay. You see Asherah pole, Asherah, uh, Astarte. So here is some prime examples showing. This is Josiah. Yeah, I know. I know. But this is the point that they they were getting rid of the male and female prostitutes. Now, uh, just an interest time because we're short. Even in the go, temple, that was go some... go to First Kings fourteen twenty four. First Kings fourteen twenty four, fourteen twenty four. The reason I'm doing this is I'm showing that they understood. So everybody understood when Jesus in the New Testament was saying something about the dog. They all knew what they were talking about. He was not calling a woman and her child a dog. This okay. In 24, there were even male and female shrine prostitutes throughout the land. Yes. The people initiated this detestable practices of the pagan nations that the Lord had driven from the land ahead of them. There you go. So now we all understand, and this is the dog. 
So that's what he's referring to. And actually, the literal translation from the Hebrew is the word dog. And so, and that was considered because it breed with anything. And these pagan cultures had these transvestite gods. Mm-hmm. Um, probably less than transvestite, actually transgender probably. Um, they were uh, androgynous for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and their followers would practice that kind of religion. They had the male and female prostitutes. So now with that understanding in mind, we start getting the picture of what Jesus is referring to in the New Testament. He says it's not right to bring the... The temp, uh, the uh, the food, the bread of the children to the dogs. Now it starts making sense. Yeah, much more sense. It's a better interpretation sure. of that event, particularly knowing that it was a sino Sinophoenician uh, woman, uh, and in that particular and their religion, from that area and, of the region, and, that and, region of the world. And, yeah. and what's so fascinating to me is that culture and that religion. In fact. It's spread around. I get this. I'll tell you something real quick. One of the signs of the strength of that God, the strength actually had its own symbol, and the symbol of that strength was a bull. I see. A bull. Mm-hmm. So you see why people started making bulls. Yeah. Because And where did they ultimately get the idea of a bull? was from Taurus in the sky. The, mm-hmm, the Greeks mm-hmm, have the mm-hmm. bull sign in the sky. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. they figured that out. And why is that a violation? It's something in Deuteronomy. It says it's a violation. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 4. And it's 16 through 19. It says, you shall not uh, do anything of a bird or a person or a man or a woman mm-hmm. or anything in the sky or the mm-hmm. clouds. He says because he apportioned those to the other nations. Mm-hmm. He's not saying I gave the other nations idols to worship. He's saying, because just prior to that, he says, you only saw a fire. You didn't see anything. You only heard a voice. But not everybody could be at Mount Sinai. So I gave the other people something they could see. And if they'll think about it, they think, well, something made this. It would lead them to God, yes. So the whole idea was, you didn't see God. You just saw these things. So I gave these things to the other nations because they couldn't be at Mount Sinai. So they can look and see reason out, well, if it's made, somebody made it. Amen. So I want to say you should always be the kind of person you'd like to have for a parent. Good to have you back, Jacob. Thanks for sharing tonight and helping open up the book of Deuteronomy to us. We'll finish up the book tonight, uh, this coming week, and then we'll go right on to the Gospel of Mark next Sunday night. I hope that you'll stay with us and continue this journey through the Scriptures each and every weekend, each and every year. God bless you. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Quiz Show. Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. 